0: You know, it was just so neat to see a three-year-old navigating the street and understanding how things work and really happy, you know, dancing along. And she rode her older brother's scooter back. I mean, she's three, you right. know, and got on yeah. the scooter that's way yeah. too big for her and just zoomed off. Right. <laughs> it was, you know, it was like watching the, the next generation. It was, It was really neat.
1: Hi everyone, this is John Zimmerman, founder of the Active Towns Initiative. Welcome to the Active Towns Podcast. Conversations about the people, places, programs, and policies that help to promote a culture of activity within our communities. It's great to have you along for the ride. John Simberman with the Active Towns Initiative, and I'm here with Hayden. How are you? Why don't you introduce yourself?
0: Okay, I'm Hayden Black Walker. Mm-hmm. I'm an urban planner in Austin, Texas. I was born and raised here, so Austin's a special place for me. Um, And I do planning work and I also do a lot of advocacy, trying to make streets safer for everybody, more conducive to everyone who's trying to use the street, especially pedestrians.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and the reason I wanted to talk with you is you just got back from a really cool trip. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
0: That It was a really cool trip. So we have um, two kids and our youngest child, our daughter, Mm -hmm. is in college. And she had been saying she really, really wanted to go to Paris. And I thought, you know, we should just do that because she's a junior this year and don't know what senior year is going to bring and where she's going to end up. So we, um, I, and I have this kind of bad habit that drives my husband crazy of planning these trips when it's really cold because (laughs) hotels are are less expensive and flights are less expensive and it just seems kind of more doable, less crowded. So anyway, we we planned this trip for after Christmas um, and then before my daughter had to go back to school in January. So we spent two weeks. We spent the first um, six days in Paris. Uh, We actually started a little bit with London. I planned a long layover for just the day in London. So we got off the plane in the morning, spent all day in London, mostly at the British Museum, and then took the Eurostar, um, the train that goes through the channel, under the English Channel, to Paris and got to Paris late at night. And we spent six more nights in Paris and then flew to Berlin and spent four full days there and then flew to London and stayed with um, some old friends in London, which was a lot of fun. For the last um, three and a half days before we flew home. So it was, it was great. It was wow, a lot of fun. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> Tell
1: me a little bit about why you chose those destinations.
0: Paris in large part because our daughter Addie really wanted to go, but also because I'd been to Paris several times, but the last time I was there was with my husband David and it was 18 years ago. So things mm. have changed and we were interested in going back. Um, London, primarily because the flight was easy, but also because... We wanted to see kind of a series of old friends. We had dinner or lunch or stayed with a variety of different old friends. And when I was growing up, my dad was an um, architecture professor at UT, and he had a studio that he taught in Oxford in the summer. So we would go live with him in Oxford in the summers, and we were in London a lot. And I really miss it, it's a great city. And then we added Berlin, kind of not really last minute, but a month before we left or something, because my daughter had done an exchange program and had lived in Berlin with a family and has mm-hmm. kept with the family and is good friends with the daughter that's her age. And she really wanted to see her friend Ina. It gave us the opportunity to meet the parents, the family that she'd lived with Ah, several years Mm -hmm. ago, which was really fun. It kind of evolved that way. (laughs) Fantastic.
1: I was just really enjoying a lot of the photos that you were were putting out (laughs) in in social media. And When I chatted with you the other day, you made a comment about just how much walking you were getting in. So it was very much an active vacation Mm -hmm. in that sense. Talk
0: a little bit about that. It was interesting to me because we didn't really plan to walk a whole lot I mean obviously we plan to be there without a car you don't need a car in those cities and in Paris we were in an apartment to save money because hotels are pretty expensive but we really, it was probably, I don't know, four or five days into the trip, our daughter runs for exercise at college, and she wasn't getting to do her run because we were out doing things in the city and trying to take advantage of being in Paris. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of stressed about it. So she just opened whatever app she uses to map her runs, said, hey, do you know we're walking eight to nine miles a day? And well, we had no idea.
1: <laughs> wow, I mean, that's great. Yeah. Eight to nine miles per day. Yeah. Boom. And yeah. you didn't even know
0: it. And we didn't <laughs> even know it, right. I know we were walking a lot. Sure, sure. I, if somebody had asked me, I would have said maybe three. But yeah, we were just doing it naturally, just going about our daily business, walking to the metro and riding the metro to whatever area of the city we wanted to be in. You know, we were in a lot of museums, so some of that was walking inside in museums, you know, walking to get groceries or something to eat or find an ATM to change money or, right, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. just all those things you do in sort of daily life. Yeah, and that's one of the,
1: I think, most important things to to realize as part of Active Towns and and Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to communicate with folks is that getting activity into your life isn't necessarily exercise per se. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. sure, your your run, your your daughter going for the run and, and, and people doing you know programmed or planned workouts Mm -hmm. are are part of it and Mm -hmm. having access to parks and pools and places where you can recreate and you know do those types of activities from a fitness perspective that's Mm -hmm. part of it but what you just experienced was the beautiful outcome of having walkable places Mm -hmm. and how just through natural activity you're able to rack up tremendous amounts of activity Mm -hmm. and you know click off the miles Mm -hmm. on a day after day after day basis so talk a little bit about that experience and how that built environment just naturally made that possible for you
0: well i will say while you're talking i was thinking about um our guidebook we used uh, rick steve's guidebook for paris and i noticed in there even he says you know the that gyms, like memberships and gyms and things, has never taken off in Paris because people are out walking so much. They don't really need, they don't perceive the need. You know, they're able to get the exercise that they need in their daily lives. You know, I think it's just moving about the city, right? I mean, we could have rented a car, but there's no place to park it. So it's a waste of money. <laughs> So we selected an apartment that was fairly close to the city center, not right in it, a little mm-hmm. away from touristy areas, and was near um, a metro stop. And we knew it was really easy to ride the metro, and we knew we would be walking to get to the metro. And once we got off, I think once when we had our bags, when we first arrived late at night at the train station, we did use a taxi mm-hmm. because we had no idea where we were going <laughs> to get to the apartment. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I think European cities do a really good job of making transit really easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. Like I speak no French. My, my husband speaks Spanish, so he can, he's a little bit better at figuring it mm-hmm. out, but we didn't speak the language at all, but it, they make the the metro maps super easy to use and understand. The tickets are really affordable and easy to easy to buy with a credit card. Um, we didn't ever ride the bus, but I think that the same ticket works for the metro or the bus, which makes it really easy. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Berlin, we bought just a four-day pass that was good for every kind of transit they have, whether it's underground or trams above ground or bus, and we mm-hmm. used all of them. Um, in Paris, they have what they call an Oyster card, and you just pay a five-pound deposit and load as much money as you want on it, and you just wand it as you go through. And it's Is just, that
1: Paris or London?
0: Uh, London, London, yeah, London. yeah okay. in London, yeah. sorry. And that works for the bus or their underground System, Mm -hmm. So I think in all those cities, because we knew that transit was really good, Mm -hmm. we didn't feel like we were going to be stranded anywhere. They make it really easy to use all different kinds of transit without knowing a whole lot about the system or speaking the language. And then, of course, they have all the things that we have, Lyft and Uber, and we saw scooters to a certain extent in those cities, um, even in the middle of winter. Um, yeah. yeah, Yeah, and taxi cabs. So we were never at a loss for a way to get around. Very easy.
1: And it seems to me you may have done another trip to the Netherlands?
0: We did, a couple, of years ago. a couple of years ago, yeah, we there, in right? February. <laughs> also in, in, in the chilliness. Right, so right, that, so. right. Um, and same kind of thing. It was super easy to get around. Um, we, were, we, did, we stayed in Amsterdam at the end of our trip. Mm-hmm. I think that trip was about 10 days. Um, and we started off in Harlem, which is outside of Amsterdam. Yeah,
1: yeah, I love Harlem.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful uh-huh. kind of mid-sized city. Yeah. Um, felt, you know, Amsterdam so big and international. Harlem felt a little bit more Dutch to yes. me, mm-hmm. and uh, I remembered reading that you could just get the train into Amsterdam, and it was easy, and I was a little bit skeptical, mm-hmm. so we decided we would go to Amsterdam while we were staying in Harlem just kind of get the feel for it before we went off traveling around the country and then came back. I was just amazed at how easy it was, right? right. We, we walked to the train station. There was a train like every seven minutes into mm-hmm. Amsterdam. Right. They were 15-minute train ride for three euro or something. I don't even remember, right, right? for a round trip ticket and you just hop on the train and it drops you at the main station in Amsterdam. And one of the things that I loved about the Dutch train stations was they all had a little grocery store. Mm -hmm. They had a a place to rent bikes. Even in February, they were open 24 hours a day, which was just amazing to me. A beautiful little stall with fresh flowers, often a pharmacy, kind of everything you need right there. Wow. Yeah. It just made it so easy. You know, we just We rode the train all over the country, and it was super easy. And when we got off the train, we could either walk or rent bikes at mm-hmm. the train station and ride, you know, ride all over the city. It's nice right. and flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: It was a lot of fun. I mean, even in February, it was it was very doable.
1: So for you, in in many ways, going back to London, that was sort of like, you know, going back to your childhood a little mm-hmm. bit in, mm-hmm. in, in that sense. Talk a little bit about some of the surprises outside of what your expectations were.
0: I was determined to go across the Millennium Bridge, Mm -hmm. the pedestrian bridge across the Thames. I had Mm -hmm. never had the chance to do that because it's been such a long time since I was there. Um, I think I was surprised like in the middle of beginning of January, I guess, pretty cold, a little bit wet Mm -hmm. in London. There were so many people using it. It was really nice to see that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would expect in summertime that there would be a lot of tourists, and a lot of people out, and a lot of people who looked like they were clearly using it as part of their business day. It wasn't just Tourists walking between St Paul's and the and the Tate Modern. Right. right. I think I was a little surprised at all the big glass skyscrapers in London. I'd seen pictures Mm -hmm. of some of them, and it felt, in a good way, even probably more dense to me than it used to. We walked from Victoria Station to the Houses of Parliament, and I just don't recall there being so many people on the street. I I recalled that people walked a lot in London, but it seemed like it was a lot more walking through there. I never been to Berlin before so I don't really have (laughs) any comparison. But what
1: about you know just expectations you know for Berlin Were were anything surprising about uh, what, what you ended up experiencing and seeing?
0: Yeah I'm still kind of wrestling with Berlin. Mm-hmm. I can't quite put my finger on it. It's a lot grittier than I expected. And we stayed in what used to be East Berlin, in the mm-hmm. Prince Berg. Lauer It was a beautiful neighborhood, very livable. It felt in some ways less intense and maybe more livable than Paris and London. That may be partly because we were mostly in East Berlin. We, were, we weren't in West Berlin hardly at all. The reminders of the wall were... Kind of disturbing. I knew to expect it, but I think I probably have the reaction that a lot of Americans do. There's a lot of graffiti, not just on the old parts of the wall. It seemed to be kind of a cultural thing, Mm -hmm. and maybe not for all of Germany, maybe for Berlin because of what they went through. And, you know, I just sort of made up this reason in my head. You know, I kind of thought about people who were living in East Berlin who weren't allowed to really express themselves in many ways and Mm -hmm. that. graffiti was probably one of the ways that they could do that kind of in the dark of night seems to have be kind of part of the culture which is something that was interesting to see but kind of outside of what we in this country we consider to be acceptable in some ways right, you know yeah, we sort yeah. of grow up with this mentality that graffiti is a bad thing yeah yeah the the other thing that really struck us in london <laughs> was that we The old friend we stayed with is um, a mom with three children, Mm -hmm. and they live in central London. Um, So they have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old in a four-story house. And that was just really cool to see a family that's able to live a really active lifestyle in the middle of a really big city. Each floor obviously is pretty small. I don't know what the footprint of the house was, but probably less than a thousand square feet. The kids ride their bikes to school because it's faster than driving. They, They order a lot of their food to have it delivered, like fresh produce boxes and stuff. It was just really neat to see them sort of actively out there in the city and comfortable with that the mom dad was working late one night and mom had a bad stomach virus and so we took the kids and walked to a local um, Asian place they love Asian food Mm -hmm. you know it was just so neat to see a three-year-old navigating the street and understanding how Mm -hmm. things work and really happy you know dancing along and she rode her older brother's scooter back I mean she's three You know, and got on the scooter that's way too big for her and just zoomed off. Right. (laughs) It was, you know, it was like watching the the next generation. It was was really neat. Yeah. It was fun to see that.
1: London, of course, is one of the famous cities that has implemented congestion pricing. Mm -hmm. Did you get a sense that that has made a difference in terms of just how livable and walkable it seemed? Did it feel that much safer and more inviting?
0: I think it did feel safer and more inviting. I noticed right away my family was laughing at me because the first picture I took was of the street because it Mm was marked as 20 miles an hour, you know, in paint on the street. And that certainly makes a huge difference. Even in sort of standard commuting hours, I never saw horrible traffic jams. There's some traffic on some of the main roads where we were out at, you know, 5.30, 6 at night. But I think there'd be a whole lot more without congestion pricing. So I think it does make a difference. And it did feel safe walking in part because there are a lot of places to walk. Crosswalks are marked. They have the yellow flashing, you know, they have that striped pole with a yellow ball on it that's at crosswalks and people are really good about stopping if there's somebody there. I think the number of people on the street, people are out walking all the time. It's a huge difference. I did talk to you might remember Peter Baird used to live in Austin. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Actually, just down the road here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And he's moved back to London, mm-hmm. and we got to have dinner with Peter and Katie, which was really a lot of fun. Oh, wonderful! And I asked Peter about congestion pricing, and he said, in his opinion, the zone doesn't actually extend far enough. They live right outside the zone of congestion pricing, and he said they have a lot of traffic because people are bypassing. They're, you know, they're going from maybe the southern part of the city to the eastern, and they're kind of. They're skirting the edge to get around. So that that was his complaint about it, which is something I hadn't really thought about.
1: It's wonderful to get a, a little feedback on just how it felt in that zone it's right. meant it's funny you mentioned the 20 miles per hour of course the 20 is plenty mm-hmm. campaign that took place there did you see any indications of uh, of that in terms of like the actual campaigning and, and like signs 20 is plenty and things of that nature or is that all kind of settled in and it's just normal routine now
0: I assume that it's normal routine now I didn't mm-hmm. see anything mm-hmm. um, I do remember the same family that we stayed with the my old friend the mother of these children I saw her two or three years ago when she came to Austin mm-hmm. maybe maybe four years it's been a while and she sees my posts on Facebook and she wanted to tell me that she had gotten a speeding ticket or something she gotten mm-hmm. a ticket for something in London and had go, had to go to their equivalent defensive driving and that in their defensive driving course that she took they talked a lot about safe speeds and what a vehicle traveling faster than 20 miles an hour will do to a human body if somebody's hit. You could tell it made a huge impact on her. City planning and transportation is far outside of what she does in a normal day. There thinks things about, you know, as professionally. And so it was the first time she'd ever heard any of that. And she really wanted to let me know that she felt like that piece of the education campaign, understanding why 20 is so important, was was really impactful for her personally. And she felt like it was really changing the culture significantly.
1: Yeah, now as a mom where mm-hmm. she's got free-range kids yeah. out there yeah. on those same, very same streets, right. that, uh, the safe speed factor is that much more important. And
0: like you would expect in a very urban environment like that, they have a tiny little backyard garden, they would call it, but where they spend most of their outdoor time is across the street in the park. They have to cross that, you know, they're little, and they have to mm-hmm. cross that street to get to, over to that park. Right, so, yeah. yeah. important.
1: What other observations or thoughts from any of the Mm -hmm. three cities?
0: Well one of the things I was thinking about with Paris was you probably know that Paris had those roads that are right down by the river next to the Seine that were highways the last time I was there. And they've shut those down now and there are people you can walk on them. Mm They're people places. We we took a nice evening stroll. Obviously we were there in the winter, but I think in the summers they even bring in sand and make little beaches so people can enjoy yeah. being next to the water and the whole experience of walking anywhere near the river or or obviously walking on what used to be those roads it was just it was so much more pleasant <laughs> there wasn't the pollution there wasn't the noise it was nice to be able to actually be next to the river mm-hmm. She used to be cut off from it by those Highways. That was really lovely. I, I had been looking forward to seeing that, and I was really glad to be able to experience what a difference it made.
1: Yeah, and that's yeah. relatively recent that they mm-hmm. made that all year round. Mm-hmm. For many years, that sort of conversion was a summertime activity right. where they would turn you know, the, the riverfront highway into the, the Paris Plage, and, and mm-hmm. it was a, sort of in a beach theme. In 2015, when I was there, Mayor Hildago had the very first car-free day mm. in Paris. Mm-hmm. It was in September. It was late September when that happened. But I think that was part of the transition of when they're just like, you know, why do we keep reopening this mm-hmm. waterfront to, to cars once mm-hmm. winter comes around? Can't Parisians, you know, take advantage <laughs> of this space year round? Mm-hmm. So it's wonderful to, to mm-hmm. hear that you had a chance to experience that and see how powerful that was.
0: was it was, yeah, yeah, it was a lovely walk. And there were lots of people out walking, even, you know, like I said, in in pretty cold weather. It, yeah, it was it was really nice.
1: You also alluded to the fact that the streets of Paris are definitely a little meaner. Yeah. <laughs> in terms they of are. the noise and the pollution mm-hmm. and the scooters and mm-hmm. some aggressive drivers mm-hmm. and, and behaviors of that nature. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. You still got a lot of walking in.
0: Yeah, yeah we did. We got lots of walking. I read that the streets that the Parisians were a little bit less friendly to mm-hmm. pedestrians. We did have one incident where we were crossing a street near the opera and there were probably 30 people in the crosswalk and a car, looked like it wasn't gonna stop mm-hmm. for a minute and did kind of at the last minute. Maybe I'm used to Texas. I didn't really think it was yeah, that bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people out walking, which I think makes a difference. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of people on scooters. Mm-hmm. Um, and when
1: you say scooters, um, I'm assuming you're meaning the non-power
0: No, scooters, I saw right? even... You saw some of the powered scooters. I even saw lime, yeah, yeah electric scooters, okay. just like we have okay. here.
1: I'm not surprised yeah. they picked it up really, really quickly mm-hmm. um, once they were available. Again, when I was there in, in 2015, many, many adults were scooting around mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. adult versions of the, the Razor scooters. Right, and right. And so they looked just like the current electric scooters, but Mm -hmm. with no motors attached. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised at all that they've taken hold there.
0: Well, and that was something I hadn't really seen was young children out with their parents where the children are on scooters, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe the parents are walking a distance that a small child, you know, three or four or whatever couldn't navigate. And I hadn't really seen that, you know, like Mm -hmm. buzzing around a grocery store on their scooter or down the street or, but not not just goofing around like with their parents, but Mm -hmm. using it as a way to be able to keep up with their parents um, walking quickly. One of the things I noticed in Paris, a lot of their trash vehicles, their street sweepers, their fire trucks, All of those kinds of vehicles were much smaller. I know because of the work that I do that often those vehicles can be really deadly because they're really big and they often don't have very good sight lines for the driver. That felt less threatening because those vehicles are smaller. Right,
1: yeah. The novelty of it. Yeah. There goes Hayden. She's taking a photo of the uh, (laughs) <laughs> the garbage truck again, right, and, again and, and, yeah, and the and the bus <laughs> yeah. and the fire truck, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. My I, we we saw a fire truck parked on the street, and it was yeah. it was just tiny, even though it had a you know what they call an aerial to lift sure. a firefighter up multiple stories. Yeah. I wanted a picture of it. My husband's an engineer, so of course he was like, "Well, we need a scale model. Go stand in it." So then everybody made fun of me because I'm standing in front of the fire truck with my arms. Out, you know, to give everybody a sense of like yeah, how scale, narrow the yeah. truck, yeah, the yeah. scale. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> so it really is narrow. It is. And guess what?
0: Yeah. We yeah. can have
1: narrower lanes, we which can. is what this is all about, right. the conversation we're having.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah I was astounded by just the noise the motor vehicle noise mm-hmm. in paris especially on some of the busier streets like the champs elysees mm, you know that's where true, it's yeah. just it, the cobbles and mm-hmm. you know so you you have mm-hmm. that combination mm-hmm. and so that was one of my favorite things to do was film the champs elysees during the car free day mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I went back on Monday and mm-hmm. filmed, and just the roar of the, of the automobiles, and you realize that's a huge pollution factor—the yeah. the noise pollution—in mm-hmm. uh, addition to the exhaust and everything
0: else. Right, yeah. right. I remember when you did that. I remember seeing those films and be so excited to get to see the Champs Elysees with yeah. you know people all over the place. People, yes, it was really neat. Yeah. that was fun. That you. I love that you were able to go places and do that and then share it with all of
1: us. (laughs) By chance, did you see any uh, shared space in, in London? I know they're trying to build more and more streets that are shared space.
0: You know, we didn't, and I wish we had... Uh, a lot of them, um, some of the smaller neighborhood streets where we were staying felt more like shared space. Sure, yeah. But By really, default. Yeah. By default, yeah. because they're very narrow and right. they have parking on them and fairly wide sidewalks.
1: Yeah. Did you see any of the uh, cycle superhighway there in London?
0: I don't know that we were necessarily looking at part of the superhighway. I'd have to go back in mm-hmm. a map and look. Mm-hmm. But... At two different points, one we were near the New King Road, and one we were walking along it, and one evening we were walking near Parliament. And in both cases, it was kind of the end of the workday. And the groups of cyclists riding what looked like probably home from work, Mm -hmm. mostly working age men, to be honest, Mm -hmm. um, on pretty fast bikes, Mm -hmm. and most of them fairly kitted out. you know, to go fast, right. it was just amazing. I mean, there were both those instances—maybe three times as many people on bikes as there were in cars. Right? Yeah, um, and they—they ride in a pack, probably for safety. Mm-hmm. You know, spread out so they're not blocking the car lane, but still, you know, staying mm-hmm. together look like as much as they can. Um,
1: and especially traveling at the faster speeds that they are, mm-hmm. there's a. You know, a drafting effect that right. they can get in, and right. definitely not that relaxed commuting style that you see in, you know, in the Netherlands.
0: Right. So. Yeah, not the you know, grab the big heavy Dutch mm-hmm. bike and pedal slowly in a relaxed way over to do what you need to do. These were people who looked very much like commuters, right. um, and uh, riding, you know, as I said, fast. But it was really nice to see. I mean, clearly. Mm-hmm. You can fit a lot more bikes in the same space that you could fit the cars. And so, you know, it's an efficient way to move, a much more efficient way to move people. Peter did say, I asked him about it a little bit, and he did say they're riding fast and sometimes in bigger groups. And they will often kind of bypass, you know, sort of get in front of the cars that are stopped at a traffic light. So Mm -hmm. Peter did say that there is kind of some growing resentment from people who are in cars. Mm that they feel like the bikes are to a certain extent in the way, which I was disappointed to hear because mm-hmm. I was really glad to see that many people biking. Right, yeah, it's <laughs> nice to see yeah. I think everybody just you have to figure out what, what works and yeah. experiment with it and keep trying. And I was glad to see so many people biking. And, and like I said, we were sort of still in central London, but more in a neighborhood. Kids we were staying with in January were riding. They were still right. riding their bikes to school every still single right. day. Yeah, yeah. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
1: it's great. That's
0: great. And they'll tell you, well, it's yeah. faster than driving, so why not, you know.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. What are some of the learnings that you've brought back with you? I
0: think one of the things that's been interesting to me, probably staying in Paris because we stayed there a longer time and because we were in an, an apartment, you know, somebody's apartment mm-hmm. in a in a residential block. I think you have a better feel we would have gotten that at our friend's house, too, if we'd been able to stay a little bit longer. But mm-hmm. a better feel for kind of life really living in that city is different than staying in a hotel. Right. And I think because I traveled and because I was obnoxious and put a bunch of pictures on Facebook, um, a lot of people knew about the trip. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have been bringing it up. And some of the things that have come up I have found really interesting. Like I was in a meeting where we were talking about how important it is to travel to cities and see how people live differently and, mm-hmm. and see that it's it's possible to have a really walkable city and someone brought up the fact that maybe short-term rentals start to change that Mm -hmm. dialogue a little bit we were you know in a short-term rental home away the fact that you're able to be more in a neighborhood now in a lot of places might also sort of beyond the traveling also kind of change people's perceptions Mm -hmm. different than staying in a hotel and then I was in a meeting the other day with where we were visiting about this again a couple of young urbanists in their 20s, were talking about how a semester abroad made such a huge difference in the way that they think about cities. And I thought, you know, that's really, really interesting because they were talking about how they had maybe traveled with their families growing up, but being immersed in that city and living there and going out to buy groceries, you know, sort of the the daily things that we sometimes don't really do right. when we're traveling, right. they felt like had made the biggest impact. And I've just, I've been thinking about that. I, I've, I think that that's a really interesting point Point, that, you know, I've always felt like it's important to travel to different places, but probably spending a longer time where you're sort of living in that place makes a big difference. The fact that my my dad taught Studio Oxford and we would go, you know, lucky me, we would go live in Oxford for a month every summer right. probably has a huge impact on how I feel about safe streets and how I feel about mm-hmm. streets being walkable for everybody and how I approach living in Austin and, and walking as much as I can and using transit 12 and 13 and 14 all those lessons probably seeped in and I didn't even know it you know
1: (laughs) insidious insidious
0: yeah maybe we should maybe we should send all you know 14 year olds to live in some great walkable city for a month yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: torture torture yeah yeah exactly Hayden, thank you so very much. This mm-hmm. has been an absolute joy to, to chat with you about uh, your experiences and mm-hmm. and uh, bring it all back around here to, to Austin. So yeah. thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for asking me to do this. It's yeah. been fun.
1: That's all we have for this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it within your networks so we can continue to grow the movement and expand the discussion. If you'd like more information, visit our website at activetowns.org and or join us on our other media platforms, Vimeo, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. This is John signing off by wishing you much activity,
0: health, and happiness. Cheers.